Hi, everyone. This is Dr. Cheryl Selman, and welcome to The Love Code. Thanks for joining me, because this really is a show where we have an opportunity to be uplifted. We have a chance to expand our horizons, to remember the true connection we have to our spirit, to our heart, and to open ourselves to healing. And this is really the most important thing we can do at this time, especially at this time. We need to stay connected to the truth of who we are. So thanks for being with me for another amazing conversation that I have in store for you. And before we jump in, I just want to remind everyone, if you would like to receive the archive shows of my podcast interviews on The Love Code, and also the other show I do on Progressive Radio Network, which is called What Women Must Know, which is every Thursday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time, then you can either go to my Facebook page, which is What Women Must Know, or you can just go right to my website, which is Dr. Cheryl Selman. Opt in there, and you will uh, be able to get all of these shows sent to you directly, right to your inbox. So either way, through my Facebook page, What Women Must Know, or my website, Dr. Cheryl Selman. Hope you'll be joining me and become a part of my growing conscious community. Look forward to having you as part of that community. Okay, well, I am so excited because we are having an amazing conversation with a psychic medium, and we're going to be peeking behind the curtain, behind the curtain of this reality with my guest, Mark Christopher Nelson, and I want to just share a little bit about Mark. Mark is a psychic medium with clairvoyant, clairaudient, and clairsentient abilities. He hears and sees messages from friends and family who have crossed over to the other side. Their messages can provide information about our relationships, careers, and personal growth that can help us to make better decisions, achieve goals, and find greater happiness in our lives. Mark originally became aware of his psychic abilities after the sudden passing of his father when he was 11. Early in his development, Mark only received messages from both his father and grandfather. Over time, they helped him understand that he could use his abilities to help other people connect with their loved ones on the other side. And it's my great pleasure to welcome Mark Christopher Nelson to the show. Hello and welcome, Mark. Hi, Cheryl. Thank you so much for having me. Boy, what a wonderful lead-in. I, I, I so appreciate that. And I'm, I'm honored to be here. But uh, I, I'm aware of your show and you do wonderful things. And so thanks for having me. Well, it's certainly a pleasure and honor. And, and uh, Mark, you're, you're getting to be so famous, I would have to say. Your work is really expanding around the world and and how beautiful is that how how beautiful it is to really be able to live your purpose in life well i agree and and you know i'm amazed at like uh, i've been blessed to talk to people from um indonesia to australia to um ireland india um all across north america both coasts i mean i've, I've been i've really I've, I've, I've heard so many things. And you know what I'm finding from doing this? Uh, I, I feel like that people have the same um, questions. They have the same love. It, it, to me, it really speaks 
you know, what the things that bother us in America may be bothering the people anywhere and everywhere around the world. We're all humans and we're all facing these similar questions and concerns. And it makes me have such empathy for people literally around the world. I mean, we're all kind of in this together. Absolutely. And there are some basic questions, and we're going to be exploring those questions. Uh, Before we do that, I just want to ask you, did you have um, a family family that had psychic abilities, or is this something that has developed uniquely to you? Well, my father... Um, my, I mean, to, to be clear, my dad was killed in New York. He, he went to work one day. We were living in New Jersey in the East Coast. And he was, he, we don't know quite exactly, I have a pretty good idea of what happened, but essentially he went to work. He went to visit his mother sick in a hospital. He stopped in a bar and he was killed in a, in a brawl. And so we didn't have a chance to, to, say goodbye in in like a normal way, like you would at a normal deathbed. But prior to his passing, Dad told my mom, he woke up in the middle of the night, like a month before he died, and he tells my mom, um, you know, mother of six kids, hey, if anything happens to me, um, George would be perfect for you. And she's like, why are you waking up and telling me this in the middle of the night? You're only 33 years old. You're not going anywhere. Everything is fine. Just relax. It's and so, um, not uh, almost to the day he he died, and then uh, George was uh, a friend of both of theirs. But at the time, my mom had six kids. George had gotten divorced and had two kids of his own, and so George came back to the funeral. I mean, came back after the funeral. In fact, they had not talked in a little while, and. My, after my dad died, it was just chaos and trying to tell everybody and connect with everybody. And dad heard about it. My stepdad, George, heard about it afterwards. And previous to that, um, we called him Uncle George. And Uncle George would come and hang out with my mom and my dad. And they would have a big party over the weekend. It was kind of like, hey, we're all going to have a great time because Uncle George is coming. Well, um, Uncle George came to comfort my mom afterwards, and as it turns out, he had quite a uh, he, he had great affection for her. And within nine months, they were married. He would um, there was like an eighty mile difference or seventy miles, something like that, where he would go back to New York, and then he would visit us on the weekend. And then we were kids; we didn't know anything. We were, we're just dumb kids, and but we loved having this male presence. And they fell in love rapidly. He asked to marry her with six kids. Can you imagine that? And um, they stayed together for the rest of their lives. So um, that would be my my inkling with that. That and I have another uncle or a um, it's on my mom's side where this guy was like a kind of a I guess he was a famous organizer of lady like the ladies hat making union in New York, which that dates back real far. And this guy said, I'm going to go, I'm, I think I'm going to be dying on this day. And they're like, what? You're, what are you talking about? And no, he didn't commit suicide. He died from natural causes on that day. So I'd like to think that I have my dad's inclination of like saying things that were just rather prophetic. And then I have this 
uncle, um, who I never met, who predated, he was like going back, he was 30 years before me, but um, he he predicted the day was going to pass. My dad said my mom should marry this guy. And so I guess I do have a little bit of a family lineage of people who kind of said crazy things that happened. I would think so. And I ask that question because I often find that people who have this gift, it it is a gift that seems to be found in their families and relatives. It's it's kind of, I don't know, in their DNA or something. But it's it's interesting. That's why I wanted to ask. So, yeah, there was something... Yes, you definitely had some some connection in that family lineage. It, it really did seem to happen. One of the things, too, that I see as kind of a recurring theme is a lot of people who have psychic abilities awaken to them after a tragedy. I mean, I have two friends that had, like, near-death experiences, and in the process of recovering from them, they both kind of woke up and said, I'm, I know three people who were pretty decent psychics, and they're like, I had experiences that have changed me forever. I'm back from, you know, tragic car accidents, you know, illnesses. And they come back uh, awake in a way that they had not been previously. And it's pretty remarkable. So while there is a family connection that seems to be there, and I, of course, had my own terrible tragedy that kind of, it changes how you see things and how you focus. And then you have people that, you know, may not have had this previously, but they, this kind of like we, we can be in this halfway point between life and death where I think that you get a chance to see things um, with unusual clarity and detail that you bring back or, or can bring back and that can alter how you see the world from there on. Well, so... You had this gift early on, but it's taken a while for you to truly, um, I don't know whether it's develop it or to come out (laughs) and acknowledge and work with Uh it more publicly. But um, whatever it is, I mean, this has really become, I, I know you didn't start out doing this work professionally earlier in your life, but it's certainly yeah. become a, 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 a real a real um, uh, purpose for you at this stage of your life. And that's what I was saying. It's really an honor because you're really in service now. You, feel, you have well, these gifts and you're truly... I just want to say one thing, Mark. When I first encountered you, I was on that interview on the George Norrie show. What I yeah. really appreciated about you, Mark, was I just felt your total sincerity, your honesty, sincerity, and there's, you know, a quality about you that's just so pure, you know, so I just have to say that, and I, uh, that's why I was attracted to you, because I felt you were such an authentic person doing this work. Well, I really try to be, and thank you, Cheryl. I would say that I was reluctant to do it, and at first it scared, it scared me. I mean, when I was a kid, when my dad first, I saw my dad when I was 11 after his funeral. I mean, I was raised in a traditional Catholic kind of environment where it's like, no, you do, you don't do this. You do what the priest tells you to do. You stand up, you sit down, you you follow the rules. There's plenty of rules to follow. And so this was outside of like what I was expecting. 
I didn't really have the uh, context to know what it meant to see your father. I thought I was losing my mind. And then as an adult, I, I was in a place where it's like, God, I, I wish Dad could have met my wife. We have a little girl, just bought a house. You know, it's like life is happening. Bought a house, had a life. It's like, I think my dad would have really liked Barbara and would have fallen for my little girl. And then I hear this other voice in my head saying, I, I have met them. I have seen them. It's like, okay, am I having a benign schizophrenic experience? Is this real? What is this? And so I, I asked this voice in my head that if you really are my dad, tell me something I don't know. And the voice did. And so it was about my brother getting a job. It's like your brother Glenn is surrounded by green ivy and white walls. It sounds like something you hear in a, in a spy movie. It's like, what's the password? Oh, you know, so anyway, I I asked my mom, I said, Mom, I had a dream. I wasn't ready to say I'm hearing voices walking around because I had a career. I mean, I'm, I've worked in advertising, work as a creative director. I, you know, I write. I Things were kind of rolling along. And then this kind of came um, as, as, not, as not planned. And then I hear, all right, well, um, Glenn, do you know anything about Glenn being surrounded with green ivy and by green ivy and white walls? It's just, yeah, he just got a job at a little floral shop called the Green Ivy, surrounded by, you know, green <laughs> ivy and white walls. Oh, all right. So it made me realize this was it. There was something there that was unexpected. So I went back, I, and literally it, was, I, it seems silly in retrospect, but I went out and, like I was walking at night just to kind of clear my head after a busy day. And we all have them. And so I went back to that spot and it's like, okay, you told me something was true. Tell me something else that's true. And so this voice did. And it told me something about my mom and dad. And I checked that out and she's like, how did you know that? So I was in a dream. It's like, really? And so it just started to unfold. And so I went from just doing it to work that way to where, I mean, I was... I was now curious to see, is this just something that happens with family? Because I wasn't taking courses. I wasn't planning to do this. I, I write commercials and websites and, you know, whatever, in radio stuff. And so, all right, I don't, let, let, let's see. And so I ended up walking into this little local, um, uh, was it, psychic bookstore. And I said, I think I'm psychic. Can I try reading someone? I mean, how flat-footed can you be? You know, I mean, that was me. <laughs> I don't know how this works. You know, it's like I think I'm a plumber. I think I'm a because I made the, the <laughs> just that simple, you know. And so, I this lady says, "Well, why don't you try reading me?" And having no no technique, kind of self like uh, just becoming self-aware. I said, I, "You, it feels like you have a son who was in a fight with some other young guys and boys in high school." And that they beat him up pretty badly and that he's convalescing with help from your father. And it's just like, I'm not, I hadn't given it any pre-thought. It's just almost like it just kind of pops out of my head. And I mean, it or it just floats in. And so she's like, that's, that's what happened. Would you like to read for us? It was just like instant. Hey, you got the job. Come on in. So I wasn't, and it's like. Pass the test. <laughs> I passed the test before I didn't even know I was taking the test. You know, and so I said, oh, hey, Barb, do you mind if I spend, like, you know, some hours here and there to see if I can really do this? 
And she was like, uh, sure. I mean, you know, it's like I, I've, I've tried to be a very uh, present father. Uh, my wife was working. So we had to kind of come to an agreement. It's like, I'm not going to just disappear on you. I'm going to be available. But I need to see if this is something that really matters. And so I started working in the store, and I was just always kind of like, oh, my gosh, that was even when I'm doing readings now, it's like, that's true. Wow, how cool. You know, I mean, I'm I'm reading out of the same, I'm hearing the stories at the same time my clients are, you know. So we both get to kind of have it unfold at the same time. I don't mean to sound like I'm, I mean, this is just, I try to be kind of, okay, this is what it is. You're telling me this, okay, this is, that, that, I'm, I'm not complimenting myself. I'm just going, wow, we're we're doing this together. This is so cool. This is fascinating. So I started doing that, and then I started to get about as many readings as I wanted out of the stores, and I went to another store, and it's like, all right, this is getting busy. I'm going to do this. I'm just going to tell them, look, I have clients. They know me. Call me at home. Come see me at home. Then I realized, okay, I don't have to have them. Again, I'm not following any course. I'm not taking any classes. I'm just kind of stumbling around in the the dark, rearranging furniture as I go, so to speak. And so then... Um, I realized, oh, I can. It was scary as all get up. I think. I wonder if I can do this on the phone. I have no idea. And now, I, I very seldom read for people in person because, well, COVID does complicate it. Of course, the the, the whole pandemic. People are reticent naturally, as they should be. But um, I realized that I can. It doesn't matter that if you're calling literally if people from Romania to India to. It doesn't matter, you know, where uh, Italy, I mean, they, they call from all over the place. Today was a guy from Ireland. And so I just realized it's just me and and someone that I'm talking to, a, a future friend, on a phone line. And then it comes through as if I'm sitting with you. And so it felt like I can do more and more of this. And the other thing, too, is that I have to feel like I'm, Almost like I want to let go of some of the writing work because I'm, I'm writing a, a a biography on a really fascinating guy. I'm kind of my um, my work as a, a an advertising guy. I'm kind of letting it slide because I've gotten so busy between readings and 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 all of that. It's like this is really where my heart is. This is really, as you said, my calling. This is what I'm drawn to, and it's just. It's been a fascinating ride, and I'm just, I mean, I've come to it. I mean, it's kept unfolding. And so as it's done that, I've just accepted, okay, I can do this. I didn't know then, can I read uh, for 100 people? Yeah, okay. So I'll get in a platform, and then it's like, how does this work? And again, I, I think I took one class, and I said, yeah, this isn't working for me. I don't know. They're making me go through too many processes. I just need to blurt things out and to get out of the way, you know? So I, at one, one of the things I was very proud of, I read for, is I did a platform reading for as many as 800 people. I've also done classes where uh, a brother-in-law of mine, he's a, um, a professor of human development, child development at the University of Maine. And so what he'd do is he'd put me on the speakerphone for his class and I would read for them and some of the kids in the class, and some of the college students, not kids, would send me, okay, here's a little bracelet that I wear. So it's almost like it helps me sort out 
you know, 30 voices in the room, 30 bodies. It's like, send me a little something that's you, that you wear that touches you. So people have sent me ratty old sunglasses, you know, a little bracelet. And they just said, if you want it back, send me a self-addressed stamped envelope and I'll, I'll drop it in the mail after the readings. And that's what we've done. And that was just like another step. It's like, I can, that works too. And then, well, that works too. And the more I get out of the way, and the more I just kind of say, okay, let me hear who's here, because it really comes down to, uh, say, if I'm reading for you, Cheryl, there's someone, I'm, I'm not really listening to you. I want to answer, I'll ask, and I'll answer your questions, but I'm listening to the person in spirit or people in spirit who are here to provide guidance and support to you. So, so, Mark, you're like a translator. It just is just coming through you, and you have trusted yourself enough to share what you hear without editing it in any way or or, or, um, or judging it or, you know, or uh, being, you know, distrustful of what you're hearing. You just, you just let it come right through you. Well, what I find is that it may not make any sense to me, but it makes all the sense in the world to someone else. Yeah. You know, it's like, yeah. Yeah. and it's like, like someone that you love or care about. There's, you have a shorthand. You have little code words. You have little things that matter. Um, literally, before I got off the phone with you, um, this lady had, um, she said, cut she had lost a close friend, and he said, um, she asked, do you have any? questions for me or does, there, does he have a message for me and he said yes I want you to know that I'm, I'm thinking of yellow roses yellow I thought it's like yellow tulips or roses it's a simple thing bright yellow flowers these are for you and she says okay well that was the code word that we agreed on that I would talk about before he says I would know it's you when you talk about yellow flowers yellow roses specifically wow. Well, and so I don't know. So, I mean, I'm just, just going to yeah. jump in because this is so, you know, when you talk about this, it's so fascinating. I know it's fascinating for people listening. So why can we talk about what you have come to understand uh, about death? And, and you know, I, I, I talked to you a little bit before the show and, for me, the greatest mystery and all that, you know, the thousands of years that we have, tens of thousands of years that humanity has existed, at least in more recent times, death is still the mystery that eludes us. And we're still terrified of death. And, uh, and I, and I know when my mother, my mother passed when she was 95 and, you know, she was terrified of death and she never wanted to talk about it. We never, you know, we never had discussions and I, she wasn't interested in having me share anything with her about the fact that there is no death. But, you know, um, it was just a terror because it always seems without the knowledge, it's lights out. It's like obliteration. And that is so terrifying for us. So help us understand and uh, and, and really um, uh, relax into this process of transition as we have a profound understanding. Well, I can tell you one thing. I'm, well, first, I'm very sorry that your mom passed with that fear, but I guarantee you that to me, as it has been explained to me, 
that transition is like a slow blink, a lo- just a little bit of a long blink. One moment, um, she's sitting with you at her bed at her bedside. She closes her eyes, and when she opens them, her mom is there, her dad is there, someone that she loved. There, we never die. I mean, I, I want people to to recognize, and I and I base this on. 25 years of reading for people and hearing all kinds of crazy anecdotal, or anecdotal, but the preponderance of the messages makes it feel very real to me that we don't die alone. Even if, like, especially now in a time of COVID, I've had so many clients say, I felt so bad. My my mom, my dad, my brother, my, my the person I love died in the hospital without me at their side. And my message to them is that, well, they... They only appear to you to have died alone. When they, when they came, when they made that transition, there are people there ready to help and assist them. Okay, and so with that in mind, I, I, I firmly and absolutely believe that consciousness survives the body. It's a very, it's, it sounds simple, but it's a lot to think about. So consciousness survives the body, and what that means is that um, when you cross over, when I cross over, Cheryl, I'm I'm going to be, I'm still going to be me. I, in the next incarnation, I, I believe in reincarnation, by the way, because I just, I've heard it, seen it, uh, had a lot of things explained to me, but I'm still going to be, in certain respects, this same person that I am now. I mean, I feel like that we don't become perfected as soon as we cross over. Um, you're going to keep the certain little idiosyncrasies that remind people of, say, who you are or who I am. You're still going to feel like, hey, I'm the smart girl. I was always the smart girl in class. I figured things out. I'm, I feel very confident in my ability to sort things out. And people trust me and they pour their heart out to me because I'm a good listener. Certain things about you aren't going to change when you transition. Um, and with me, I have found that people that... Um, have a sense of humor in this life, they don't really let go of that. You know, they they still, it helps people to identify that, let's say when I'm reading, again, half an hour ago, I'm reading for someone. This guy comes across as kind of a, a wise, I mean, kind of a wise guy, funny, a loving, a nice gentleman. But his his message was, you, you gave my, um, you gave a tribute to me at my funeral. And he says, if I had eyes, I would have been crying. And it's like, yeah, because you're not in spirit. You're not in body anymore. But, you're, you know, if I had eyes to cry with, I would have been crying. And it's like, that's kind of like a wise eye kind of thing to say. But it was in keeping with who he was. And that also made her feel like, yeah, that sounds just like him. And so we can retain part of who we are. And that it's still that we... We, we retain these things so that the people that we leave on this side in the physical can still recognize us. You know, we, we, we're still, I like to think of us as um, a whole multitude of aspects of God and or universe, universal energy. Think of this huge tree, this huge tree. You look underground, the tree's been there a thousand years, hundred, fill in the blank of difficult to imagine years. You go into the root system, and each one of these little branches, these roots, is articulate. It it appears separate, depending on how you come to that root. And so 
while we are all connected to God, I feel like, or and again, God, universal energy, whatever you want to call this, the the big guy, girl, presence, energy upstairs, we're aspects of that. So we retain, I think, a little bit of this little something that makes us different. And so I would tell people if you've lost someone, um, still speak to them. And and I'll get things like I, I've literally had this happen where. Um, when my father passed, he was reaching up to someone and he kept saying, there's a woman here in the room with me. And it's like, this is actually my mom talking. I wasn't there. But he kept seeing women in the room that like a couple of ladies, smaller, like these little Italian ladies. And it's like, all right, um, all right, they're, they're there. They're showing up. And then I had um, my I was there from my father-in-law right the night that he passed. And I'm hearing that there's a guy named, um, it's like he had, uh, I forget, what's his name? Um, Let's just say his name is Richie. Richie said, I'm hearing there's a guy named Richie here. And so Milt is, uh, my my father-in-law is in this very difficult stage, but he can converse. He was one of those people that were blessed up until he passed with the ability to have a cogent thought and be clear. And I said, Milt, did you ever know a guy named Richie? And he goes, Yeah, that was he. He saved me when I was a little boy in a blizzard. His pictures on the wall. And so I turned around, and actually Milt had put all these pictures up. And so he had someone had written names next to him, and uh, to these photos. It's like there's mom, there's dad, there's uh, brother. Uh, but he, I bring over the picture, and he says, Give me a pen. Someone wrote the wrong name next to this guy. And so, to me, that he feels in that's Richie, and he says puts it back in the wall. So if Richie is there for him, we can't see him. To me, it 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 very much supports the idea that although I couldn't, I I sensed the guy, I felt his, I heard his name, I couldn't see him, but he was there for my father-in-law, and I think that having saved him once before. I think he was there to escort him uh, through his transition. Wow. So I have a question. Um, We've heard of uh, apparition. First of all, I think we should change the word from death to transition because I think that's more accurate and it's less of a charge. It's just a thought that I had right now. We should kind of language things differently. But um, what is the difference between souls that pass over uh, and then what compared to uh, ghosts or ap- apparitions that show up? Is there a difference? And can you help yeah, us understand the, what goes on? Well, what I would say is that people who die in a state of confusion or have a great sense of incompleteness um, or they're surprised by their own death and seem unable to accept it, those people tend to be earthbound. Now, as, as a doctor who helps people sort out problems, uh, you know that so many people do the wrong, uh, do things for the wrong reasons. They don't listen. They don't want to explore. They don't want to look. People uh, from the dawn of time, the first man ever or woman to walk the face of the earth, did something contrary to advice and good opinion. They just did, you know. And so this is just 
part of the human condition. And so I think that when we cross and we're someone dies in a drug overdose, they they have a guilt about um, I've dealt with everyone from serial killers to victims to children to college students and, and it comes down to like they want to stay the earthbound ones I call them earthbound spirits we can call them ghosts spirits um, apparitions that all those things apply but then if I read for someone and I'm seeing their uh, their loved one with them today their girlfriend who died in a car accident or whatever it is they're not earthbound and so they seem to have a better consciousness. And so I think what helps is, let's say, as you get close to the end and you're spiritually prepared for what you think is going to happen or you're feeling like, okay, I understand there's something coming. Even like in the case of your mom, she's not sure what it is. Someone showed up for her. And if, I think in living a life where it's like you understand, okay, I'm passing. I'm, I'm, I'm conscious. I know it's happening. Um, those people tend to have a, an easier transition. Then there are people like, I went to a house, it was actually a famous hotel here in the Los Angeles area, where um, they they were having problems with um, an apparition, a couple of apparitions that were getting in the way of their renovation. They were putting in many, many hundreds of millions of dollars into redoing this hotel. These earthbound apparitions uh, one was a little girl that these guys, and these are like serious people. They, this is not like a, you know, a, 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 a small hotel. This is a landmark location in Los Angeles. And they saw this little girl on their security cameras. And these guys in black coats that, you know, look very official, look like CIA goes. There's no guests in the hotel, but we're still maintaining our security surveillance because of the value of the property and all of the materials and people still involved. So they send this guy over, one of those, you know, one of their policemen, one of the hotel police, and he walks up to this little girl and she disappears in front of him. And so they realize, okay, being a tough guy in this case isn't really going to help us with a disappearing little girl. So I get called in. And then in reading for this little girl and like listening, I said, okay, so you don't know that you're, you've passed. What I get from her, and the only way I can validate this is that I guess it was, you know, the things that I was bringing up were accurate. There was a young girl whose family were like caretakers in the property. She died back when they used to allow horses on this property, broke her neck, died suddenly, didn't understand that she had passed. And so I had to tell her, can you hear your mother's voice? Can you, and we know that we're getting yes and no answers, not just because I'm convincing and I talk fast. I mean, it was like we had electronic equipment that I was basically telling this little girl, can you give me two, can you make this little light blink twice for yes and once for no? Blink, blink. I mean, it was like she was a very conscious spirit. And so I I helped her. She we went through all these blinks. Yes, no. I'm a little girl. I I I think I died here. I don't know how to get back. I don't know. I said, well, can you? And I basically crossed her over. And then all the light blinking stopped. And I was with like I don't know a dozen people, and they immediately there there was uh, was hardly a dry eye in the place because it was 
that felt so real and people were attuned and we were getting rapid responses and then it all went away and we it kind of hit us that she's not here anymore. It doesn't feel the same. The responses on this electronic equipment that we had is not getting anything anymore. There's no digital proof. She seemed to go. And so I, I, we can, you can help people cross over. Some people don't want to go. They're That's afraid. So, so Mark, where are they crossing over to? They're crossing over to their next incarnation. They're cro- I see it as like, I would describe what they're crossing over to in a very general term, the white light. To me, the white light is universal energy and love. Uh, I believe that there's love and acceptance on what we would call the other side. I see it as white light. I see it as God's presence. We've all struggled with every, all the major religions in the world are trying to put it into words. As I see it, God feels like warm, loving light where I feel acceptance. I feel like I can go to this light if I say, you know, it's like I'm here as I am. I, I And if you, I, I tend to think that we judge ourselves. I think that because we're connected to God, ultimately, if you go up high, high up through the root system, we are all connected at a certain level. And I think that, you know, it's almost like when you get to the other side, you say, yeah, I did that not so well. Because once we lose the body, I feel like we lose our id, our ego. And that there's so much more, it's like, I I was... I was a good person. I tried. I wasn't. I I failed. I did this. I did that wrong. I'm going to try to do better the next time, which is why I think we come back. I think we try to become um, more evolved. That is, we come here. If, if I'm, I'm going off on the tangent here, hope you don't mind. But we come here. It's like if you think about, like in school, you you're taking a class in biology. There's a lecture and then there's a study. There's a you know you go in. And you, there's hands-on work, and then there's lecture. Um, this here is the hands-on work. We come down and we test our theories. We see, okay, I think this makes sense. This is what I'm going to learn. This is how I'm going to evolve as a spirit, because I think that our natural path, if we're open to it, is to um, use our free will to make choices that allow us to become more evolved that we, the idea, we're supposed to be here to learn and to love. And we come to learn and love different lessons because we're all different people. And our last incarnation can have something to do with how we come into this world. There's a lot of connectivity between what we were and who we're we're going to become next. And that contributes to the lessons that we believe as conscious beings I need to learn. You need to learn. We need to learn. So do you believe that we choose the time of our transition? I don't know that we know it at a conscious level. I mean, like, what I... No, not uh, I would consciously. Say, not consciously. But everyone has... A, when it's their time, it's their time. It's, however that may yeah. show up, as an accident or I, as an illness or... Whatever. But they they inevitably come through and say, you know what, I I came here to get my parents to reconcile. And that was a lesson. It may seem 
that important. And then to just say, it's more about I help understand. I got a great. I, I gained a greater understanding of love and sacrifice. And so I can leave now because that was the purpose of this incarnation. Mm-hmm. And so I think that we wow. we're comfortable. You know, I love this story. One little thing that might be helpful is that I think of like the transition from the physical to the spiritual to the is is kind of like think about like these ornate tapestries that hang on castle walls and great homes in Europe and other places. On one side, we see these beautifully detailed rendered images that are pastoral and beautiful and gorgeous and interesting. And, um, you know, they, they convey emotions and feelings. On the other side, there's strings and knots. We live in the side with the strings and the knots. Hmm. Doesn't always make sense. It isn't always pretty. But then we get to the other side and we go, oh, that's why there's a knot there. Okay. I get it. And I feel it's very helpful to think of it get more answers on the other side than this one. That's a great that's a great metaphor, actually. That's a beautiful metaphor. It really explains things. So what would you recommend to people who uh, are dealing with grief from a lost or transitioned relative or relationship? Well, one thing, and I uh, I tell people, don't ignore your feelings. I mean, th- th- this isn't about sweeping anything under the rug. This is about, you know, you have to recognize, yes, there's a sense of loss, but you also have to recognize that I need to, I need to move forward because this is part of who I am. My, my, my purpose in coming here isn't to spend the rest of my days suffering and grief. I I tend to think of the universe as being a loving place. In spite of all the pain and suffering we see, I think that we're supposed to strive, step toward, embrace love, light. Um, and to do that, you have to be conscious of your feelings. And so for someone who's um, at a practical level, don't suffer in grief on your own. I mean, talk. I mean, we're human. It's Talk to each other. Talk to people that you remember. Um, everyone that I, when people come through and their their loved ones, I mean, one of the things I do a fair amount, I mean, I'm not a licensed counselor. I'm not a, a quote-unquote title grief therapist. But in the course of my work, I have, and I always tell people, if you're feeling truly depressed, if there's something that I can't help you resolve, please see a therapist. You and I are only spending a short time together, and I've, on many occasions, recommended, please go talk to people, be with family, be with a counselor who can help you kind of come to grips with the fact that, you know, your life is changing, but it can be okay if you see it as something that, you know, give yourself the tools you need to overcome this difficult time. The tools are there. The lot there is, you may feel isolated and alone. This is temporary. This is temporary. You will find that if you start to step out into the world, the grief will never go away. You'll never forget the person. But you will find ways to move up, out, and and fall in love again. Find things that make you 
feel human. That's the one great thing about people. And and I'm I'm just this guy, Cheryl. But I I'm just this guy who talks to people around the world. That we can find that if we look at ourselves and we recognize that this is, wasn't the end of me. This is something I'll cherish that relationship. I'll never forget mom. I'll never forget those things. But I know my mom, dad, girlfriend, husband, or whoever it is, they want me to keep experiencing why I was here. I, I mean, it's kind of trite, but there's truth in the idea that life is for the living. You're still alive. They're, they're, you're going to feel the wind in your face. You can see it as like a harsh wind, or you can see it as something that lets you kind of like say, okay, I still have time. I can still draw a breath. I can still find something good. I really, I try to be as positive as I can. I came up with this thing that I, I like to, I mean, some people, I, mean, I, I said, okay, this makes sense to me, being the positively psychic medium. I try to be positively psychic. doesn't mean that I'm, you know, ignoring the pain and suffering that people go through. But, and I, and I think that it's almost like going through a fire. It, it hardens you. It, it refines you. It, it can help you become stronger. But I, I think it's better to know than not know. I think it's positive to know than to not know. And so I tell people, I mean, also too, I went, Cheryl, I, I went through a clinical depression where I was in a very bad place. And then actually what, you know, we talked about how did I get to this place where I'm paying attention to my feelings and, and all of this. I realized when I was depressed, clinically depressed, I had shut down all connection to like being the, the, the guy I once was. I, I stopped feeling humor and life. I stopped feeling. And when I realized that I can't live without feeling, I opened myself up. And it's almost like I opened myself up to not only feeling, I started to hear things. And it, it all coincided with me kind of emerging from a very dark place. So I, I think I've taken too long to answer your question, but I, I hope it makes sense for you. <laughs> no, you did great. Um you know, with the connections that you have, Mark, on the other side to all the beings there, have you received any insider um, messages to help us at this time? We are in a, 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 a stage of our evolution, of transition. We're going through some really profound changes on this planet. Uh, it's bringing up all sorts of fears and emotions and uncertainties. So have you received any insight or wisdom or guidance to help us through this time of transition, as I see it? Well, um, I think that, um, well, at a, at a practical level, I feel like that this is not forever. I see this as almost like diminishing waves that are going to rapidly dial down within the next few months to a point where it will be something we're conscious of, not unlike the flu. We're going to develop a um, an ability to withstand it, an ability, immunity. It's going to spread. It's not going to change our lives. Everything I'm being told is this is not the end. This is just another um, experience that will will adapt and grow to to overcome. So 
while this is really uncomfortable and difficult, I would say keep in mind that this is not forever. I actually don't like the term the new normal. This isn't normal. This isn't how I um, would say life is normal. So at that level, it's going to get, It's going. we're all going to change. But I also think that if depending on your perspective, so much, and, and trust me, I know you get this, and I imagine that many of the people who listen to you on a regular basis get this, but it's not what happens to you, it's how you react to it. And so I've tried to take this time where I'm feeling on my own a lot and trying to do things better. I mean, I used to lament always, oh, I have to go to work. I, I have to leave the house. I have to do all, I mean, and so now that I'm home and I'm, I'm blessed that I can do a lot of work out of my home, be it readings and writing, I can do that. But I'm trying to be, again, positive with the idea that what, what am I, what did I miss before? I'm going to try to pay attention to this. So I'd, I would ask uh, a recurring theme that has come up for me is prepare for the next phase that's coming at you because it's coming at you. It's going to be good. And if you see this as an opportunity to do something you hadn't had the time to do before or to find a way around it, um, I would embrace that side, especially knowing that this isn't forever. This is a, a thing that we all, for the most part, most of us get through 99 point whatever percent of us, even those infected, get past it. It's just scary. You know, it's a change. I got another saying. The only person, who, and I, this isn't me saying, I, I've heard it. The only person who likes change is a wet baby. You know, um, we're all being asked. And it's just part of the drill. It's part of being this human condition. Okay, I'll change. I'll figure it out. I'm, I'm not trying to be a big, wet, crying baby. I'll be, I'll get past it as we, the vast majority of us will. And then, well, look, you know what I'm, I'm, what I'm really looking forward to is like 10 years from now, whoever of us are still here, we're going to look back. You know, like some bad hairstyles marked a certain time. I was like, oh, I can't believe people wore those goofy jeans then. They were, you know, and so we're going to look back and go, you remember when everyone had to wear the masks? I predict that's coming. And we'll be able to look back at it and go, it was necessary. We've learned a lot. We know better, or we know that that was, in fact, the right thing to do. That chapter has yet to be written, but we'll know enough to be able to look back and say, that was just the thing that we went through, and now uh, we're stronger for it. Great, you know, great words of wisdom to help people through this time, and um, and to know that, you know, we're evolving, we're changing and that uh, nothing lasts forever. <laughs> so we are moving yep. through this time. And hopefully people will see this time and choose to see this time as an opportunity to um, change, to heal, to learn, to grow, to make the and most fact, of this force inward time. In fact, I would say just that, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to step on you there, but um, I would encourage people that if you have, if you're finding yourself alone a little bit, take and you're you're feeling like we're all dealing with different kinds of fears or uncertainty. Fears and uncertainty to me are very much the same. It's the different sides of the same coin. So I would say look at 
take learn to find a little quiet time in your head and heart. I feel like that everyone listening to you and me tonight has a uh, a guide, an angel that's there to could be grandpa, could be grandma, could be your brother, whoever it is on the other side. Someone is there that's going to basically give, tell you something you didn't know, like what happened to me. And that when you hear that, you have to kind of like create a space in your mind and a little quiet to be open to it. And I urge you, as part of like this evolution and transition, I think that many people are using it to do this. We can find something that we didn't know. We can connect with the spiritual side. And we can find some comfort maybe in a place that was unexpected. That's lovely, lovely thoughts. And and before we come to an end, which is um, rapidly approaching to our conversation, I want people to know that they can, first of all, learn more about you at your website, which is marknelsonmedium.com. There's a lot of uh, wonderful information there and podcasts that you do. But I also want people to know that they can schedule a personal consultation with you. So you do that online. And you also do group events. So do you want to add anything else to that? Yeah, well, I would say that it's actually going to be, I mean, I'm glad I did these classes before where I would get like a number of people. I've got a couple that are, I'm going to be doing two phone calls where I'm going to have like seven or eight people on the line. That's going to be kind of fun. And it'll be, I mean, it's interesting. I mean, to me, it's fun because I like saying, okay, I don't know what's going to happen. Let's go. Let's see what happens. I, and usually, I mean, I, I've been blessed that I never sit there and someone usually picks up the line. I'll put it to you that way. I get, I get help. And so I would say that you can do it as a group and that I'm, I mean, literally, if you're, no matter where you are in the world, if I can hear you, um, someone that you love is sitting next to you and they're whispering in my ear. It doesn't matter the distance at all. Yeah, what a wonderful experience and opportunity for people to understand that life goes on, that um, death is a transition to our spiritual self. We're still, mm-hmm. we're still, our consciousness is still here, and our physical form has been left behind but um but life goes on we are truly eternal in that sense and i think that's so much so much healing that's available through the work you do for all of us and and uh, to appreciate this journey that we're on and to appreciate you mark because you have become a wonderful guide on this um on this life journey and helping so many people to uh, to to find resolution to find greater truth to find greater love it's a it's a beautiful path that you're walking on so is there anything you want to add in the minute or so we have left yeah i'm i'm still the guy that like my wife says take out the trash i'll take out the trash i mean that's just like i'm I'm raised in, a, in an environment where it's like, Dad, can you help me with the homework? I'm, I'm still, I'm so honored by these kind words that you're saying about me, but I'm still, people like, I, I'm, I'm just this guy that happens to hear things, and I'm very blessed by them. I don't, but I'm still, I'm just somebody's brother that likes to hard time, you know? I'm, 
part of the big. I was raised in a big family. Our 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 currency was to give each other a hard time and to play, and I've never let go of that because it kind of just keeps me so being just me. You know, like if I if I stop being me, I can't be helpful to anybody. So. And 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 that's and that's what what makes you so special, Mark. So I, you know, you can just breathe it in. <laughs> so I just wanted to affirm and, and acknowledge and appreciate the work you're doing. And if people want to uh, learn more about, you know, the questions they have and connection, check out Mark's website, MarkNelsonMedium.com. Um, you may want to schedule a consultation. It probably could be, uh, and I'm sure it will be life-changing. And, uh, Mark, thank you so much for your time today and for your wisdom and for your commitment and your service to all of us. It's uh, much appreciated. Cheryl, thank you for inviting me and allowing me to meet a lot of your, your friends and your listeners. And I have to say, it's like I love the gentle open-minded approach that you take to sharing information. I mean, clearly, I mean, we talked a little before, we'll talk a little after, but I, I just get a very generous, open sense, sensibility from you that I think can be so healing to everybody else. So I think that's part of and I'd like to think that that's why we get along pretty well, because, and I admire the journey that you're on and that the work that you're doing for everyone else. Thank you. You know, maybe we'll have you back and we'll have you do some readings for people. There's lots of possibilities here. So we'll be in touch for sure. And for everyone listening, thank you for joining me. Check in every week because we have these fantastic conversations and you don't want to miss them. So until next week, as I like to say, may your week be filled with love, peace, and harmony. And bye for now. Bye.